<laughs> All right, dude. So our last section is something that I'm calling Facts Force 5 from the Pulp Fiction Fox Force 5, the unmade pilot that Uma Thurman's character was uh, the star of, or the unpicked up pilot, I should say. And, and, and possibly the story of Kill Bill. Yeah, that's possibly the story of Kill Bill too. That's exactly right. Yes, totally for sure. All the the back uh, the backdoor stuff of the Tarantino verse. Mm-hmm. So in this section, we are going to look at. Um, we have four different clips and then a wild card section. And the clips that we are going to look at is um, are also broken down into four different categories. So for and these are categories of things that are commonly associated with action movies. There's a truckload of them, but I narrowed it down to uh, four for the time sake of our discussion. And um, the categories are car chases, and we're going to look at a clip from Gone in 60 Seconds, a 2000 movie directed by Dominic Cena. For gunfights, we are going to take a look at a scene from True Lies, 1994, James Cameron. Uh, we're going to look at one-on-one fighting, a clip from Furious 7, 2015, James Wan. I can't wait to get to this one. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a look at explosions, an explosion from the rundown in 2003, directed by the aforementioned Peter Berg yep. and Irish Terry Conklin himself. And then then the last category is our wild, wild card. And we're going to take a look at each one of these clips and answer the following questions. We're going to be, what are up to three things you notice that are factually incorrect, are these factually incorrect elements something that you are willing to suspend disbelief over? And how would being factually correct hurt or improve the action that you saw in the clips? And let's start off right at the top with the clip from Gone in 60 Seconds. So let's start off. Give me Hold one on. Chem your... and I are going to act it out um, yeah, real quick. Right. <laughs> you make the car sounds. I'll make all the glass crashing sounds. Okay. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> I <was> ready? Shut <laughs> 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 Right. Which one of us is going to do the cheesy smile that Nicolas Cage does to the kid in the car? Oh, God. I... <laughs> <laughs> Good, yeah, um, no shit. I know, right? So, okay, dude. So let's let's take it off. Give me one of your – kick it off. Let's give me one of your uh, factual inaccuracies. So, um, you know, obviously this is I – think, I think this is the one – where um, certainly things are factually inaccurate, but it's sort of it, it is sort of um, I think I think we're stretching that just a little bit for this okay. particular one, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, so, like for for the first one, um, the audio cues and the cuts don't match the actual speeds of what's going on. Like these cars, especially when you have a scene with like this many vehicles in it, um, those cars aren't going more than like fifteen to twenty miles an hour in reality. Right. And the audio cues, the audio cues and the way everything's cut, you know, the quick cuts and everything makes it feel like these cars are doing, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour in crowded streets and down alleyways, which Mm -hmm. they would not be able to handle turning and avoiding things up this close if they were really moving that fast. Um, Yeah. You know, again, it's just sort of it is one of those things you got to like it's a little bit of movie magic. But like when you really like when you really see and it really stands out to me uh, in this particular movie. There's a couple of like long shots where you can see that the cars are just kind of casually moving down the roadway. And mm-hmm. the audio cue is just like this engine revving into the red. And it's just like, mm, nope, that's like, it's not happening. I, I can tell like it, it just doesn't, the way things are moving in the background, the way things are, the way the cars are kind of positioned, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Oh, totally, man. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like in those situations, they are really amping it up. The fact that they're trying to make it look like they're going really, really fast and stuff like in all kinds of crazy twists and turns and all that. It's a weird pathways and stuff down the city and mm-hmm. stuff. 
yeah, man, like that's a that's a really solid observation on that. And um, I think that is one of those things that, um, uh, you know, like only a mind is yours, I think, is going to like real like the general movie populace, I don't think is going to pick up on something like that. So is this something that you are willing to suspend disbelief over? Uh, oh, for sure, it, it, absolutely. Because like there are there aren't that many movies that involve that involve chase scenes that really get a chance to um, to utilize you know utilize the space to like you know really get up to sixty, seventy, eighty miles, whatever it is. There's not that many mm-hmm. movies that really have a chance to do that. Like thinking about like the Matrix sequels when you, we had that they have that highway chase. They literally yeah. had to build like a mile and a half long loop to mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Um, so like if you're, if you're limited to then, you know, if you don't have the budget to build your own highway loop, um, then like you got to work within the city streets. And if you're working within city streets and also you're trying to make it seem like, you know, there's regular normal traffic and stuff, you're just, you're not going to be able to like, to utilize the cars the way you want to full throttle. You have to, you have to make those cuts, those quick cuts. You have to use the audio cues to make the sound, make it sound like the engines are revving that kind of stuff. You have to do it. Oh, of course, man. Like that's, that's really the only way that you're going to get any type of like excitement out of this is to make it as stylized as humanly possible and everything, which, which would then tail into like the last question about like factual stuff being able to improve or harm the the particular scene. And if this was factual, this would look kind of fucking boring, actually. Like, yeah. This would definitely be a, a just a, for sure. a very casual <laughs> car ride through some traffic and guys just being dicks. <laughs> like it's, that's basically right. what this whole, the whole chase would be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure, man. De- definitely, dude. And like with um with, with mine and stuff like that, the the factual inaccuracy that um which is I had mentioned it before, just to start off with one of my three, is this whole like driving in reverse with ease type thing. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> now I'm I'm not like on a closed course with no other obstacles. Yeah, you could do probably do that. With some difficulty, I, I don't think it would be a walk in the park, you know, right off the bat. But with enough training, you might be able to, get, you know, become used to it. But I will tell you that that is like 100 percent something that is not going to happen at all. And like, I know that they went for that little style petting the dog moment and stuff when he like smiles at the kid mm-hmm. and everything. And, you know, something like for for a movie situation, like and I guess to maybe service the character, I guess like that is totally acceptable, but it's like, but it's just completely like factually inaccurate and everything. And like, is it something that I'm willing to suspend my disbelief over? Like, I'm not going to make a big fucking scene about this at all because like it is, does have entertaining value to it. And um, there's something I guess about watching this clip now and knowing Nicolas Cage's personality now that I think like makes that little stupid smile with the kid really work. And just, it's, we almost like are just seeing a, a glimpse of like Nicolas Cage of like what he used to be. And believe me, I'm, I'm sort of impressed with some of the stuff that he's done recently, but like, it's just like this moment that I don't know if we'll ever have Nicolas Cage get on screen ever again, you know, just because of the, the way that he is. So like, I thought for that little part, like I'll, I'll be willing to suspend disbelief. And in terms of factuality, um, hurting or harming the scene. Yeah. It's going to probably hurt it, especially oh, yeah. if that's what you're going for. <laughs> so like, yeah, I have a feeling we might say a lot of these things would hurt them, but I just, you know, just, just to th- put that question. Oh, in there, I you would, this... you would think that that's where it's going to go. But um, mm-hmm. I have a difference of opinion on a lot of these. 
Ooh, very, very nice, dude. I'm like, well, I'm looking forward to hearing some of those. And let's go with your second factual um, inaccuracy if you have one. So it, it's not just in this chase scene, but it's in all chase scenes. Um, in in these, con- especially when there's like congested roadways, boy, the person being chased always finds the one spot that their car fits into that they can yeah. get out of that no one else can get into. Yeah. Always, oh, yeah. every this- time. Yes, this is like I'm in a similar thing with one of my with one of my things that I wrote down in there. And it's like the person who is being chased just seems to have it like they seem to have it a little bit like too easy sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, and the scene that always or like the shot, which is basically in every chase uh, action movie shot is that shot where after they've all gotten away and everybody else's life is fucked up, except the guy who's being chased, you know, somehow this chase scene sparked like enough traffic and enough congestion and enough whatever to like ruin everybody who's chasing that person's life except the person who's being chased. Yeah. yeah, No, I gotcha. Yeah. No, totally dude. Like, yeah, I understand what you're saying with this. And, um, is this something suspending disbelief over? Uh, You have to, I mean, uh, if it doesn't, then it's not, again, it's, them being caught wouldn't like be a good movie unless like we're trying to catch the person that we're chasing. Um, right. So like, and usually, I would say ninety nine percent of movies, these extended chase scenes are people trying to get away. Like the the protagonists mm-hmm. that we're supposed to be cheering for are the ones that get away. So if they did get caught, it wouldn't be that interesting. Yeah, like you know, I you're a hundred percent right on that. The only way that I could think it would work is if it's one of these movies that. Um, they catch him, but he like wants to be caught or something like that. You know, almost like sort of like the way the Joker was like in, in the dark night, you know, where he was like doing it to get in the room with Batman and everything. So, but like, that's a one in a million type thing. You know, there, there aren't a lot of stories where it's like, Hey, you know, we're going to catch the guy in the second act. And then all of a sudden it becomes a, a one act story about this guy escaping from the jail that they, they took him to, you know, like, well, I, you I can, I can already tell you there's a, there's a movie that this happens in. Um, it's the remake of the longest yard with Adam Sandler. Really? He crashes That's his car in, in the middle of traffic and like, he goes on a police chase, crashes his car and then goes to jail for it. Oh, that happens in the beginning. That's right. So yeah, this, I gotcha. this is one of those things like what you're describing. There's no way you can end a movie like that. Oh, absolutely not. No, not a chance in hell. <laughs> no, definitely not. But yeah, I guess you're right. You could start a movie off like that, you know, and then the movie develops into what the movie's actually about, which is, you know, the, the guy and the, the football team in jail and everything mm-hmm. like that, for sure. Definitely. So do you think that any type of um, factuality would improve or harm a scene like this? Um, wait a second. Are, are, we, are we skipping to the end here or are we going to our third fact? I was rounding out the end of the second fact. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was looking at something else there. Um, I, well, again, well, I think I just answered it. Like, if you if it's too real, then no, it's not going to help anything. No, that's true. Okay, gotcha. All right, dude. So let's go on to the third fact. All right. So um, the and, and and this isn't really in any car movie, um, especially as we venture into the um, I don't know the Furious Fifty Eights. Um, we're going to get there eventually. Um, the car damage is rarely fatal or serious to the people that are involved in it. Um, you can smash cars, have them get hit by buses. No one fucking dies. Right. No, that's very true. Oh yes, that is very, very true. And in this clip, 
I believe Nicolas Cage's car sustains no damage whatsoever. None and whatsoever. Only- a, a cop gets blasted full speed by a bus. He seems to be okay. There's a couple other accidents. Um, but Nicolas Cage, like that, that car, he and he and that car are without a scratch. Yeah, it's like he's going faster even after he's done all that uh, damage and everything. The car looks better when it's driving through the L.A. River than it does when it's driving through mm-hmm. the uh, through the streets of Los Angeles and everything like that. No, for sure. And um, is this something that you're willing to suspend disbelief over? Uh, I mean, I, again, it's fine. Like, it, it's totally fine because if we had, like, the main character dying in a car accident, again, it's a totally different movie and it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, no, I got you, dude. Yeah, and believe me, I, I totally get what you're saying about the what would be the last question and the, the whole thing about factuality and stuff. And we just like wouldn't have much of a movie. If they, yeah, if chase adhere, if adhere chase movies if chase movies, uh, just like this is why I said like these are kind of like borderline factual or stretching mm-hmm. of facts because like it's a very different movie if we have the main character die in a car accident and kill a bunch of people on the way down. Like yeah. now we're not in a chase movie anymore. We're in a we're in a crime drama. Right. That's right. Yes, you bet. Definitely. No, I got what you're saying, man, for sure. And so like with with mine, I'll just wrap this up really quick. Like I read this article online from um, hotcars.com. They were kind of breaking down some various car chase scene elements. And I found this one interesting. Like in now keep in mind, the clip that we watched was like just a couple of minutes. So I guess they are adhering to like what this article would say is how it works. But um, a lot of our car chase scenes you don't really get this and they mentioned that um like in a real car chase scene the cops are not as involved as they are in the movies and like Correct. that the big the big guns are called like much earlier like we do get the the, the helicopter and everything and um in this gone in 60 seconds clip but in other like action movie clips like you know the, the cops are with the guy for like ever and stuff you don't really see a lot of the um the big guns and everything and this would be something that like i'm, I'm definitely willing to suspend disbelief about it because i just i just read about this in the article and um i also like it makes for a much better chase scene when you are having the chasee being chased by somebody so like you know for the cops all of a sudden just duck and cover halfway through you don't have much of a chase scene but I do think that, like, in terms of some factuality, depending on how they shot it, calling in the big guns, like, early or setting, like, a trap early might end up being kind of cool. And maybe, like, just, like, a cool, like, kind of twist or something like that if this was one of these movies where the chasey was to be caught for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, like, it surprised me to learn this because, like, a lot of cops that I, that I've come across, like, which are like, were younger guys when I was going out, this is like what they live for. <laughs> you know, like this is like every cop's dream, a high speed chase and stuff. And to learn that the big guns are involved a little bit early. I, I was, I thought that that was a little bit surprising. I'm surprised you didn't know that already because you remember that time we got to watch OJ get chased from a mile and a half away by cops at low speeds. That's what most, oh. that's what most police chases look like. Oh, right. But like, I just like, I don't know when they called in the helicopters or anything like that. Like, I just, you oh, they know, don't. I like the only reason why there's a helicopter is because it was OJ. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is very um, true. No, it's it's just a liability issue. If you have cops and this happens all the time, very recently, um, very recently, uh, who was it? Um, the uh, the girl, the girl who filmed George Floyd um, being killed by cops. Uh, mm-hmm. her, her uncle was killed by, he was a, he was a pedestrian that was killed by Minneapolis cops in a police chase, like last year. Oh, um, no shit. That's, that's why. 
because it, it's a liability. If they can't get someone off the road, they don't continue to chase them. I'm, gotcha. I'm just very surprised you didn't know that because like it's it happens it, it happens a lot that these these police departments get pulled through get pulled through the ringer because they they you know these cops recklessly crash their cars and when you begin damaging pedest, you know pedestrian property or killing pedestrians well that sort of you know kind of bankrupts police departments <laughs> right yeah you're gonna have a lot of uh you're gonna have a lot of financial troubles if that's the case not just paying for the stolen or the damaged property and everything so like a lot of paperwork and a lot of liability and potential lawsuits that could come yeah. out of a situation like that for the sure ones, the ones that make it the ones that you hear about and see are the ones where like someone killed somebody was firing shots out of the car that's when the cops have to like actually do something if Someone steals a car, you know, it's a, it's a not, you know, not like carjack someone, not like knock someone out of their car. If someone just takes a parked car, the cops aren't mm-hmm. going to fucking call SWAT in, drive down the street at 100 miles an hour to get a stolen car back. No, that's a good point. <laughs> and if they are, our police departments have much more problems than a guy stealing cars. <laughs> right. Okay. Fantastic. So let's go into Gunfights with True Lies 1994. So this clip's like um, somewhere in the second half of the movie. We're getting towards the big. Oh, it's, it's you know, almost towards the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, it's this. And then the, the car chasings across the causeways and yep. the keys are sometime like shortly after that. Right after. Yeah. This is, this is probably the beginning of the, of the, actually, you know, you're right. This is probably the very end of the second act. Okay. Yeah. And like, um, the I did leave the one part of here with the spinning gun and everything that didn't make it into the cliff. Thank God, because I we that we have enough stuff to talk about without yeah. a gun going everywhere and somehow magically killing every single person while it just falls to the ground. But uh, let's start it off here with um with your factual inaccuracy from uh, True Lies, nineteen ninety four. It's the ease of weapon firing and aiming. Um, yeah. And this is this is all fucking action movies with gun, with especially with automatic weapons, like mm-hmm. those, especially like the idea behind like an Uzi, which is what um, uh, Schwarzenegger's carrying, two of them. The idea behind a Uzi is not for like, it's not to really aim. It, it is like, are you in a room with a bunch of people and you have to try to kill as many of them as possible? That's what an Uzi's for. It's a, it's right. a. They, I've heard them called spray and uh, spray and pray weapons. You just mm-hmm. pull the trigger down and point it towards people. Like there's, yeah. there's not really aiming. It it shoots so fast and it's so short. You know the the barrel is so short. It's just designed to in a in a short area throw a bunch of bullets out. So like the fact that he could just kind of casually aim and like take people out from, not that they're like super far away, but far away for that type of gun is is ludicrous. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, it is. I will also say this is one of the inaccuracies that I had noticed as well. And um, the thing that I was particularly like the crossing of the arms in particular for him to shoot as accurately as he did with his arms crossed while holding this weapon. That's got like, it's got kickback. You know what I'm saying? Like it may not be the, the most kickback in the world, but it's, oh, it's a lot of kickback. Gemma. That gun is a lot of kickback. Is it a lot of kickback? Okay. They're fully like any fully automatic weapon. You pull the trigger down, that thing is fucking pushing you backwards. Okay, gotcha. Like the um so the the kickback that he would be getting from that alone, he should look like he's shooting like all over the place, like randomly. You know what I'm saying? Like it shouldn't be as controlled or as locked as it is with his arm movements and everything. Because those arms aren't going anywhere. Like he seems to be at a complete That's because he's the Austrian oak, Chama. He cannot be moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right dude that guy cannot be moved but like the the 
the way that he's doing it, it just is all way too smooth of a motion for that particular weapon handling. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like in this situation, um, and because it's Arnold and because it's Cameron and like, this is something that like, yeah, I would definitely like suspend some disbelief over. And like the way, just because of Arnold's sheer jackedness, like that in itself just leads me to believe that like, okay, maybe, maybe he could do this. You know what I'm saying? The guy's fucking strong as hell. It's these guns. Maybe he could do it, you know? And that's why I'm willing to suspend a little bit of disbelief in this situation. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Um, I, I, let's, let's move on. Cause like minor, I, I wrap all of mine up. I don't, I don't answer these individually. So move on to the next oh, one. Oh, okay. So the next uh, category and stuff. No, 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 no. Move on to the next individual one. I don't have, or just so anyway the endless amount of bullets is also something that is ridiculous um the apparently schwarzenegger has magazines that have like three or four hundred bullets in them which okay. is an impossibility so right and what i'm saying Chemo, is i have my points and then i just wrap it all up oh okay gotcha okay, instead of no answering problem. it individually each time because it's oh, yeah. extremely okay, yeah, repetitive yeah. um yeah the endless amount of bullets that that schwarzenegger has in these guns and you can see the guns. The magazines are not very big. To shoot that many bullets, he would need a drum at the end of each one that was like about, I mean, I don't know, like, I'm trying to find an object that I'm sitting near that would kind of like provide like, provide some like, a, you know, like a, a good reference point. Like a big, mm-hmm. one of those big jars of peanut butter. Yeah, I gotcha. He would need yeah, yeah, each yeah. one of those at least to have that many bullets. He does not have that. That that gun should, those Uzis should have been done firing in the course of like about a second and a half. Oh yeah, like I don't. Even, he doesn't even reload the entire time. Like there's no reloading no. of those weapons during the entire sequence whatsoever. Like some movies, you know, g- g- at least see you. You see the guy reloading and stuff like that after he's already fired an amount of bullets that probably shouldn't be in the gun in the first place. But like with this, there's just no reloading. Like he goes right into it and stuff for sure. Right, right. It's just it, it is it is a silly. And again, this is most action movies where there's a lot of shooting. It's a silly amount of bullets that just doesn't it just doesn't exist. Like if you, it, like even even a semi-automatic weapon, you can pull that trigger real fast and get through a magazine of fifteen bullets in like just a snap. I mean, you can get through mm-hmm. it so fast. Yeah, I got you, dude. Definitely. No, I understand for sure. My my second one um, that that I was going to point out is involving like the situation that this guy is in and stuff. Like he's one guy in this in this camp of all these other people that have weapons that are appear to be trained of some kind. Cause they're like, you know, some kind of, um, you know, resistance army in their, in their own mind. The mercenaries. This guy, you mercenaries. Yes. He comes out completely like unscathed. Like there's, <laughs> yep. there's, there's, there's not one thing on him whatsoever. Even after a flamethrower, there's still like not even like one like scratch or blood or anything like that. You know, he, he's dirty, but then he immediately gets cleaned off when he jumps in the water. <laughs> so like, there's just no, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I just kind of refuse to believe that like even the best and most trained of spies is going to get out of that situation and not have any type of like a, a, a grazing of the bullet of some kind. <laughs> right. A flesh wound, Chama. No flesh wounds. Right. Yeah. No flesh wounds. That's right. Um, <laughs> no. Well, it, it's funny because this, you're absolutely right. It's ludicrous that like he just walks into the middle of at least I, I counted at least like fourteen or fifteen guys in this mm-hmm. scene, um, and he just like walks into the middle of them. I mean, literally in the middle of them, 
and just begin yeah. shooting and like nothing nothing happens to him and he even takes cover behind things that are clearly not bulletproof they're just fucking wood um and, and nary a scratch on him but this goes into my third point chumba that is absolutely um this, that doesn't make any sense and is totally in fact totally inaccurate uh factually these are supposed to be like these world-class dangerous mercenaries and they cannot shoot anyone standing in front of them right yeah i know right these guys the bad guys with the training with these automatic weapons are not hitting anything they're not even hitting the big truck of gas or whatever that's behind him like everything is seeming to be hit except for him and a truck of gas yep it's and and actually i'm kind of <laughs> i like again like if we were this is this is again in all movies and it kind of i know like it's it's one of those things that's a joke ongoing joke in star wars that the stormtroopers can't shoot anybody um right they just can't aim and obviously like it's sort of um if they could you know harry would be dead in this movie like probably would have been dead a long time ago so you know like it's in this case like this is what this is this particular movie this is why i'm okay with all of these um this particular movie kind of sets up from the jump that there's a lot of ridiculousness you know we have a lot mm -hmm. of comedy in this between yeah between what's uh you know tom arnold's character who's Tom is very funny in this movie, by the way. Um, oh yeah, he's hysterical. Between the the storyline um, with Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, with Helen, what she's going through with Bill Paxton, um, the the late great Bill Paxton, who is also hysterical. Um, this sort of sets up that it's it's not we're not going to take this too seriously. And then when we get our first big action set piece with Arnold riding a horse almost to death um, mm -hmm. through where are they Atlanta, I think. I think so. He rides yeah. it up the building, on yeah. the top of the building, all like, that stuff. Yeah, and then you know the uh, the terrorist who's in. I think he's in a, a couple other uh, Arnold Arnold movies too as a terrorist. Um, you know, he makes that literally completely one thousand percent impossible motorcycle jump across like a city block into another building <laughs> into a right. swimming pool. Like that should sort of be the clue that like okay, this movie is absurd, and it it does get yeah. it, like. That was just the beginning of the absurdity. Um, and when we get to the, the gunfight, again, like, we get more absurd. A nuclear weapon gets set off in Florida. Um, <laughs> and then Arnold takes a Harrier jet uh, and, and fights and fights terrorists in downtown Miami with his daughter on the front of it. So yeah, it's like, well, it's ridiculous. Oh yeah. yeah, so, like, tone, they established tonally in the beginning that, you know, you're going to be in for these extreme situations and stuff like that, that are like to the point where like, there's definitely an element of self-awareness here, but it's not as self-aware as like movies that I think are just like outright putting stuff like this in there and making a big mm. deal and exaggerating and everything. Yeah. Like there's this like certain like non, um, non self-aware kind of flow to the movie, but it's also very self-aware. And also because of this makes it, so the door is open for all these different kinds of crazinesses to happen. And yeah. it's just like, just give me more, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have, there's a scene where we have, we have Bill Paxton crying and pissing his pants and yeah. like confessing to things that he like actually really never did. Like, it's just like, that's in the middle of this movie. There's, you know, during the, um, you know, during the, like the, the, the rather, the rather famous uh, strip scene, you know, even Jamie Lee Curtis falls down. Like, in this, right. you know what I mean? Like there's, <laughs> There, it is, there's a lot of comedy layered in here on purpose, so it's just like, don't take this too seriously. Yeah, of course, dude. Oh, God, what a, what so a like, fucking classic. So when we do get to the gun falling down the steps, you're okay mm -hmm. with it. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, in a way, it seems to fit. <laughs> it like really does seem to kind yeah. of fit in the movie in, in its own way and stuff. Um, are there anything like with any factuality like hurt or improve these scenes? I think this is the one case where this is or, well, not the one case um, gone in 60 seconds is the same way, too. I think if you got too real with this again, it, then it becomes totally a very different movie. And also like mm-hmm. the, you know, like totally a different movie. And then like sort of this would break the promise to me that we're going to. Yeah, this goes from action comedy to like all of a sudden it's much more dangerous Then I don't feel like it's an action comedy anymore. It's an action drama. Yeah, understandable, dude. I totally understand. I feel the same way. And we're going to carry it on into the next category now, which I'm, God, I'm excited to talk about this one because it is a one-on-one fight scene between Jason Statham and Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious 7. So lead me off, man. Like, I'm excited to hear where you're going on this particular category. So lead us off. First off, just to sort of circle back with the car thing, um, they survive a collision unharmed, completely unharmed in those yes. cars, which is just miraculous. And mm-hmm. then, and then they have the wherewithal after colliding with each other at what looks like, so like, I bet the cars get up to about 40, 50 miles an hour, roughly speaking, mm-hmm. which even in that short track doesn't seem possible, but they collide with each other. And at that speed, so the uh, the closing speed is even faster and the impact is even faster than 40 miles an hour. It's like being hit by something going... It, I can't remember if it like triples, actually, if it's like cubed, but imagine being hit with an object going like 150 miles an hour. You'd be dead. Yeah, um, right. Oh, yeah. So the fact that they... And then they just like pop out real quickly. It's mm-hmm. like... I'm just like, oh, okay. But you know what? This was at the point in time with the Fury, with the Fast and Furious movies that we were uh, we were fully into the absurd. Fully okay. into it. Yeah, I got you, dude. And also remember that in between the accident and getting out of the car, they managed to shoot guns at yep. each other too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yes. Oh my god, yeah. So I will st- I will like now that we've kind of gotten to the flow of the scene, this brings me to my first factual inaccuracy. And this is something that I wholeheartedly believe um is that if there's a fight that's going on where one person has the intent of putting bodily harm onto the other person and they have a shotgun pointed at them. You're pulling the fucking trigger every single goddamn (laughs) time. Okay. That is a major factual inaccuracy where it is just like, yeah, by the way, like I'm just not going to use this gun on you. You know what I'm saying? Like in that situation, the dude with the gun is going to come away on top pretty much every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) yeah. But that wouldn't, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be fucking Dom Toretto's way. You know, that's, you know, because family wouldn't shoot a gun at family. No, family doesn't do that to family. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I saw that and I was just it just had me laughing in tears. I was like, what? Like the the accident seemed to be pretty like, you know, well into the the genre. Like I just kind of expected. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to stop the cars with three feet in between and get out and start a fight, you know, but. Once they did, and like I actually like I kind of thought the going from the accidents to that little gun exchange was actually pretty cool, and it kind of took me by surprise. Like I didn't expect that. But then when they get out of the car and they're facing each other, and he throws away the shotgun, this is where some things start to get a little comedic for me. (laughs) uh, Yes, exactly. It it does sort of take on it does sort of take on like almost a almost an unintentionally funny tone, but. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, again. I think we are now like two movies into where like the tone really changes with what's going on in these movies. Like the the pre, I think the previous one is the previous one, the one with the where they're like racing on ice and there's nuclear weapons. It, it might be. I I'll be so. honest with you. I've never seen one of these movies in its entirety. Uh, I'm I, like I'm telling you, like I, this is this might be one of those like things that I, the, the these projects that I take on in the near future, simply because. It's simply because, like, the the complete tonal shift about midway into the franchise and, like, mm-hmm. how very different those first, like, four movies are. How very different they are. Yeah, like, I've actually heard a lot of good things about the earlier ones, and then I, it is the I later ones that's... Yeah, they see, it seems like the later ones are when they get a little bit more extreme. Like, I remember in one of the previews where it's like, somebody says, like, what, they got a submarine now or something? It was in one of the movies. And, like, somebody out there somewhere said, like, what are they ever going to do? Like, race a submarine and then, like, go figure a couple movies down the line. There's a submarine in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what um, – is there any other factual inaccuracies you noticed about this? Film? Oh, yes. Um, they strike each other with very heavy implements repeatedly and mm-hmm. i'm just going down after the first one especially when when uh vin diesel gets fucking kneecapped with like a i don't know a big slab of metal there's yeah no possible way that he's getting up and walking after after right. someone the size a big strong dude like jason statham unloading on you like that mm-mm, no yeah the, the the physical damage just doesn't just doesn't like add up Right. Oh, my God. Like, there's a lot of physical damage that these guys do on each other. Even slamming somebody into the car, you know, and it's like, OK, like, still, I could still fight. You know, like if you're getting slammed into anything by like any dude that's the size of Jason Statham or Vin Diesel, like that's going to fucking hurt. dude. You're not just all of a sudden going to be up and ready to go and then get the other guy on the ground in a couple seconds. So like the damage that they do to their bodies, like, yeah, there's a lot of like inaccuracies there for sure. I mean, just like uh, you know, Dom takes out those like two, um, those two like big lug wrenches. My mm-hmm. God, if he would have, if he, if you would have struck a real, you know, you take something that big and strike a real human being with that, you know, just like in their arm, like even if you don't break their arm, you're doing, you're gonna do serious damage, serious damage. Yeah, and that person would have a really hard time moving their arm afterwards. Oh God, yeah, and like one of the one of the, my factual and actual factual inaccuracies that i that i believe too is like so when they are fighting like they're the first like little bit of this fight scene there's like no kill shots it's almost like everybody is just going for the clang of the weapons and everything the first jump that they take towards each other a jump there's no body contact it's just a clanging of the wrench and the piece of the car that statham's got whatever the hell that is and like two things here your body from swinging that stuff is even if you're jacked up on adrenaline, you are going to run out of steam like pretty easily and everything with just flailing around these huge ass lug wrenches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also like, even if you are going for like the clanging against the, the car part, like that's still going to like send vibrations through your body over and over. It's going to, it's basically what I'm saying here is that you're going to get jacked up to the point where it's not a, it's not a smooth fight. You're going to feel the repercussions of being hit by that, whether it's in the arm, the thing you're holding or in the face, like you're going to feel that. Yeah. Oh, Oh, a hundred percent. It, it's sort of the, um, we've talked about it before when we, when we were doing our like weekly game of Thrones updates and, the one thing that like I, I I that I will always admire about that show, even though it got crazy towards the end, 
um, that I always admire about that show is the way that like the 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 sword fights and any any fighting all, but especially the sword fighting, the physical cost not only of the person being killed or stabbed or whatever, the physical cost on the person wielding the sword was mm-hmm. always something they took care of because it is hard to do that. Oh God, yeah. If you're a little dude like Kid Harrington picking up any sword, especially like the sword of fucking Winterfell is going to be a struggle for you, you know, and at Longclaw and everything like Mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot of effort. The sword is probably just as big as he is, or if not 85% of his total height is in that sword. So like that, yeah, that is like one swing is going to take some, it's going to take some steam out of you. Yeah. It's, it just, I know, I know we, and when we did the throne stuff, I know we talked about this, but the, uh, the hound and brand fighting, how Mm -hmm. it just, and this will go, this will actually dovetail nicely to my last point how everything costs them physically, whether they're hitting each other or getting hit, it costs them both physically. Yeah. No shit. It's one of those things that's a, it's a great attention to detail that fighting is hard. And so this is my third thing here. The beating that, uh, that Shaw and and Toretto put on each other would have put them both in the fucking hospital and probably the morgue that like there is, especially like the, especially when Shaw fucking falls down after he gets, after the parking garage gets blown up, then he falls down multiple levels on, uh, onto a bunch of concrete that's collapsing. Um, he should not be around for Fast 8 and and then Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's a pretty good point right there. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Yeah, there's a, the sustaining that this is hospital territory all the way. Like, even at these guys' age, getting slammed into a car is at least a back problem. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I am in the process of a little bit of, like, a hip injury that I got just from bending down to pet the cat. So, like, these guys, even though they're in much better shape than I am, that's still going to be – that's going to be some damage to you for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely, dude. So, out of all of these, um, are you willing to suspend disbelief? I, I think this is what this is a generally speaking yes. Um, that I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, and again, it, it's sort of it's sort of because of the movie itself and the, where the franchise is going at this point in time that I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of okay with it. But I but I really think, Chama, this is where I'm going to jump to that. I think that with if you crank up, I know this isn't uh, this doesn't make complete sense, but you'll understand, I guess. If you were to turn up the verisimilitude and turn up the realism just a little bit for some of these fight scenes, that so like there was more physical cost. So like Dom is like fucking cut open and bleeding, and you know and can't move that well. So Shaw yeah. is like struggling to fight. This fight becomes much more dramatic if there is mm-hmm. a much more real physical toll and more real damage on both of them. No, dude, I definitely agree with you on that. And like the um, that would be like in my answer too is that like the physical like it's one thing to watch a fight and for one as long as this and these guys like have nothing like it looks like nothing happens to them you know but when you add just even like a couple of cuts a couple of bruises like a spot on a shirt that's getting bigger it does add a lot more dramatic value to the scene and it actually makes you feel like one of these guys has a chance to not make it which um Jess and I got into a big conversation about like protagonists and people making it through movies and stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's a whole other thing. I don't want to like get into this right now at this particular time, but like the fact that somebody may not be able to make it does a lot for you dramatically. Yeah. No, I mean, even yes, exactly. We always talk about stakes. There's finally some stakes in the, in the end of a movie, even though we both know that Mm -hmm. as long as they keep making these movies, Vin Diesel will be in them. Um, like we know that, but like you could have, you know, especially at that point, we didn't know that Shaw was going to become like a part 
of the, you know, a part of the family and then a part of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So, like, you right. could have, you know, there could have been at least some doubt over whether or not Shaw died. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, what or his survival, I guess. And, like, it could have been something as simple as, you know, maybe Vin Diesel lands a shot on his wrist. And Shaw's got to fight one-handed. Or, flip it around, Shaw lands a Shaw lands a hard shot to Vin Diesel's head. Or to Toretto's head. And, like, Toretto can't see that well. Can't see straight. It makes right. the fight much more realistic. Makes the stakes higher. There's at least you're right. Like you, you put it perfectly. There's like at least a doubt that some that one of these two might not survive it. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, and that's one of these things where a little bit of realism here would have helped out this particular thing, or at least made it, given it a little bit more. While as some of the realism would have hurt the first two categories that we had discussed. Yes, for sure. I'll I'll, I'll that, just just real quickly here, and I'll, I'll sort of I'll sort of um, bring it to something that like where where it got where this got got away. The mm-hmm. in the first three Die Hard movies, you Bruce Willis is in peril, like yeah. John McClane is in peril in the first three movies, and then the right. latter two movies, he's almost a Marvel superhero, and <laughs> the and they suck anyway. But like the last two suck, but like he's he's doing stuff that doesn't make sense for John McClane. The whole point of John McClane is that I think we I think we called him in our um, Heroes and Villains episode. I think we called him. I think I used I called him the yeoman. He was just like mm-hmm. a regular guy. There's nothing special about him. He just right. happens to be the person doing this. There's he doesn't have any special skills in particular. I mean, I know he's a cop, but like he's not like he's a super cop. He's not he's not the best cop in Los Angeles. In fact, like that was or New York, but in Los Angeles. In fact, that was the kind of the thing. They're like, Yeah, he's a drunk. He's like, okay, I guess. Um right. so like, you know, like the fact that, you know, he's vulnerable, he doesn't have shoes on, he's in peril all the time is where all the drama comes from. And in the later movies, like, he's fucking jumping off of jets and fucking bringing down the entire Russian mob. Like, it doesn't make sense. Right. Like, you watch those original movies, like, you want to see him in the bloody wife beater and stuff like that. It's almost like not a diehard movie until that wife beater shirt gets right. stained in some way. You, right. you know? <laughs> and, like, the when they take those kind of leaps with the character, it's basically, like, what it, and I know this is a business, but, like, at least you don't want to have the movie come off as if it is just a giant money play. And when you're taking those kind of extremes, like that's like, that's almost like what it becomes. It's just like, okay, it's a entertaining couple hours and you wanted to make some money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, dude. So let's go into our next category, which is explosions from the 2003, the rundown Peter Berg, young rock with a, with a nice head of a uh, buzzed hair on his head. Nice head of hair also. and minus about 30 pounds of muscle. Yeah. De- oh my God. Yeah, dude. He was definitely looking pretty lean there for sure. It's, it's and then bizarre. We also got- it, it is very bizarre. Just real quick. It is very bizarre that he is like the only WWE person that's ever gotten bigger post wrestling. All of them get smaller. Every single one of them gets smaller except for him. Dude, like just leaning towards more credit that he is the fucking man. He just is. He looks better now than he has when he was younger, like, like a guy to put muscle on and shave his head. He looks way better now than he ever did. Well, I mean, he's on all the roids in the world, but he does look better. <laughs> he looks significantly better as a bald man. Like I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that can do that. <laughs> like, no, he, his, I, his, I kind of forgot like his, you know, his like little short haircut when he was, when he was fully the rock, he wasn't Dwayne Johnson at that point. Like it, it just like now it looks kind of strange. Like he looks significantly better as a ball guy. Yeah. I saw a clip of him like um, in the tooth fairy and like just doing some video research that I was watching. And like, 
just it looks like a whole different thing. You know, he looks mm-hmm. way more professional. He just looks way more like mature and stuff with the bald head. Like I, I, when I, whenever my hair starts falling out, like I pray to God that I look even like one tenth of that good, you know, I, <laughs> I'm just going to start wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. Oh yeah. Believe me, our hat collection in here is going to multiply when that happens mm-hmm. to me for sure. <laughs> so when it comes to some factual inaccuracies about this um, particular explosion scene, what have you got? So I'll, I'll start with, I'll actually start with a, this is, this will lead into everything else. So I'll start with one that isn't specifically about the explosion, but so in the scene where, uh, Sean William Scott's trying to, where are they in Brazil? They're in Brazil. Um, trying to evade these people in this little Brazilian town, um, or this, like, I guess like a security force is really what this thing is, where these people are. Um, mm-hmm. he climbs into this bus and, I don't know, no fewer than 300 bullets get fired through this thing. Um, vehicles are not bulletproof um, at all, um, especially, right. especially you know, civilian transport is not bulletproof. If a vehicle isn't mentioned that it's bulletproof and it's not like a mil- piece of military equipment that is obviously covered in armor, vehicles aren't bulletproof. This is, don't worry, this is getting into the explosion part. Vehicles mm-hmm. are not bulletproof. Right. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, actually, if you want to... Take it on in because we're going to cross. We're going to cross a couple paths here, so just okay. continue to keep going for sure. Okay, um, yeah, but just vehicles aren't bulletproof. That would have been a really terrible hiding spot. You basically would just put yourself into a coffin, right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure, definitely. <laughs> so, like with um, with one thing I noticed about this, with and I watched a, a video on this. I'll do. I'll break down for me. The explosion exists in two parts, and okay. we'll probably cross in. Pro- I think we are. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. Okay, so. The first half of the explosion that I'm going to talk about is like how it is done. So in this particular scene, it is um, what we've seen in movies before bullets going into a gas tank, gas being leaked, and then bullets being shot into the gas, which causes the explosion. So without talking about the actual explosion itself, the way that this whole thing is set up is just completely inaccurate because if there's holes in the gas tank, it's not going to put that kind of explosion out there and even take it one step further bullets shooting gas aren't going to cause like god what is it bullets punching through the tank aren't going to like cause any kind of like explosion to to happen and stuff so you in the way that this explosion starts it's loaded with factual inaccuracies because of the leaking gas because you need the pressure to build up to cause the explosion and there's holes in the gas tank there's no way for that pressure to build to then cause the explosion. Well, I mean, yes, correct. You're, you're, you're correct. Although the, I, I, cause I actually wrote down this very similar point and then I like, I rewatched it and it's not exactly correct what you're saying, but, okay. but you are correct. I, I, this is stupid and confusing, but trust me. So the vehicle itself catches on fire from all the shots being shot into it. Um, and then the vehicle, like the, the front of the car or the front of the bus starts to catch on fire after they shoot yes. a bunch of rounds to the engine, which is incorrect. That does not happen to cars, no matter how mm-hmm. many bullets you shoot into them. So like you're, but then like, but then you're correct. You, you can shoot a gas canister all you want. It's not going to explode. You can take a, my, my one favorite thing in movies, take a lit cigarette and throw it in there. See how many lit cigarettes you throw into a fucking trail of gasoline. None of them will make it explode. Um, and then, and then you're right. Like the way, so like we're, so there, we're in that part of it. And then, and then like it's, 
the way it is, like the okay. So let's just say you did manage to shoot and catch your bullet somehow caught the engine of the of the truck on fire, or the bus on fire. Fine, okay, that happened. Because you're you're right. Because there's not like a contained. Um, because the fuel is no longer contained. It, it if it catches fire, it's just going to catch fire. It's just going to be like you you took a lighter into you know into some kerosene lit lit, lit some like lit a like a, a bonfire up. It's just going to burn. It's not going to explode that violently. Right. That's right. Yes. You bet. Yeah. The burning thing for sure. The the, the violent explosion thing is not going to happen in that situation. Definitely. That's right. Yeah. And and like with the actual explosion itself. Now, I it was a fuel truck that they were shooting at. So there's a little bit of. Like, I guess in right. terms of the way the explosion looks, there's, I guess, a plausibility that this might happen with the way that all the it, the way that the explosion happens in terms of the growth of the actual blast. Right. But normally that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't erupt into a giant, massive, like fire cloud and stuff. So I was watching this video that showed how they do that kind of stuff incredibly just i was i loved what these guys did with this video you saw like an explosion like without any style to it right just looks like a basic explosion no fire cloud actually just looks more like some smoke maybe just like Mm -hmm. a burst of a flame or something right so these guys these british dudes they took these things that like it looks like a speaker from an old gramophone player you know like a almost like um Jesus Christ, like it was a square, but like the square is like punched in a little bit. and It was made of iron and they put like four of these things together. And then inside of them were these like kind of like a home cocktail of like of explosive liquids and stuff it was like right. kerosene, some other things. So whenever they did this second explosion, you would get to, you would get the blast from the, the dynamite, the TNT they were using, but then all this extra flammable liquid inside of these kind of amplifier megaphone type looking things that would then cause the massive fire cloud to, right. to, to emerge. Mm-hmm. So in this movie, at least they did, at least it was a fuel truck. So there's something there to connect those dots but it's not like how we see in other action movies where like a Ford Mustang all of a sudden just erupts into this massive fire cloud. Yeah. It's, and I'm glad you watched that kind of, I actually, that I find that stuff fucking fascinating. Um, all the, all the technical stuff of these action movies is awesome. Um, yeah, it's like, have you ever, did you ever used to watch Mythbusters? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Believe me. I was, I love that show. And like, as most people in their early twenties watching it, Carrie was all that in a bag of chips. Yep. Carrie. And there was a, Oh gosh, there was another one that was, there was another woman on that for a while. That was really hot too, but let's not get, won't get too far into that. Um, but, um, God, didn't it, didn't Grant die recently? Recently. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. That's right. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> let's not turn this into a Mythbusters <laughs> discussion. Cause I could huh. go for a while. Um, so there was an episode where they, it, it was from some movie they used um, a piece of dynamite to break loose the um, the stuck on cement from a cement truck. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the blast blew it all loose. So they were trying to do that. They're trying to replicate it. And one, they found that it was really hard to get cement caked on it like that because it just it doesn't adhere to the walls. It just slides down to the middle. So yeah. when they're kind of trying to experiment with how to do it, they accidentally created a, a cement truck. That had basically the whole bottom half of the of the cylinder was filled with cement, and then they were like, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, we'll try it. We'll try it out." And like they're using full sticks of dynamite and stuff, and just nothing's happening. So they use something. They use like 
these big bags of plastic explosives all over this thing. And they took it, they took this truck out to like some quarry out, out there in California. And they're, they're kind of like discussing like, well, what's it going to look like? What kind of explosion do you think it'll work? And they're like, well, we'll think it'll, we think it'll blow up the, um, you know, at the very least it'll blow the, the, the cylinder apart. Mm-hmm. This, this fucking blast ripped this truck into nothing. There was literally all that was left. And it was weird because it was actually almost in the same spot. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just like the front cab. Part of the front cab was left. There was like in some in some like wheel parts and part of the axles. Nothing was left. And Ooh. the explosion is like so fast. And it's just like a big puff of white smoke. And that fucking thing is gone. And that's what that's what explosions look like. When they, mm-hmm. that's what they look like. It's just a big, it's a snap and you maybe see some black or white smoke and then nothing. It's gone. Yeah. You know, glad you brought that up because I watched the old Lorraine Carnegie bridge bridge being blown up as like, it wasn't really much of a blow up. They just kind of knocked it onto the ground. Yeah. And you're right. That's all it was. Boom, white smoke. And then it was over with. Like I got up at like five o'clock in the morning to watch them do this thing. And like, it was cool to see. It was really fucking loud, but there was no way that it was like that these explosions were anything like what I saw in the movies. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a whole, all that pyrotechnic work. One, it's, it would be really fucking awesome to like, see, you know, how, you know, the process and like how it works and everything. But yeah, just cause if we, if we did, this is, this would definitely hurt most movies with explosions if they looked like they actually look it would be pretty dull yeah of course oh yes exactly so with this is this something oh hold on really- hold on Sorry, i have, I have one more i got one more for you oh. um so even let's just pretend that this explosion did happen as it did mm-hmm. the rock and sean william scott proximity to this thing they would be covered with some kind of burns abrasions there'd be debris probably lodged in their bodies and at the and probably very likely consider, considering they were so fucking close, they would have like concussive blast injuries, like ruptured organs, concussions. Um, mm-hmm. Their eardrums would probably be non would be gone, wouldn't be useful anymore at this point. Like they were, and again, you got to get that awesome walking away from the explosion scene. But like <clears throat> they were so fucking close. These if they survive this, they should both be like handicapped for the rest of their lives. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, people really overlook that. Like, you just get the explosion. No one ever thinks about all the shit floating in every which direction. You know, it's just get the explosion and get that hero shot. And, like, these guys, like, you'd have, like, two fucking Freddy Kruegers and stuff. They'd be burned to death. Like, yep. all the hair the hair would be gone. They would have gotten his baldness right then and there. So, like, and Sean William Scott, that those fucking uh, young blonde locks that he had, those would all be gone, too, along with his face. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a really good fucking point about that, about that because that's something that is not addressed at all in um in any type of action movie can i can i give you the the really fun antithesis of that um go for it so shout out to shout out to our guy gareth evans of of the raid um he uh his his tv show gangs of london there's uh there's a there's a shootout there's a raid scene uh, on a house and um this one guy in the raid is right next to a bomb that goes off and fucking love i love gareth evans for this kind of shit instead of like just like the explosion going off and like wiping everyone out let's slow it down to bullet time and watch mm-hmm. this guy's body get ripped apart by the concussive waves oh wow it's fucking awesome this guy's body disintegrates into a big cloud of blood oh god that's awesome is this show on any streaming services now uh it's you might be able to see it on amc 
Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'll keep that in mind because um, I really wanted to watch the show, but I, it was not on any of the streaming services I have. So let me do another check of uh, what we got because I yeah. really want to check out the show. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's so much fun. Oh yeah, I've seen the opening the opening scene. There's a dude rope being lit on fire or something. It, it, it's awesome. Yeah, like something in that there, there's a guy with a rope yeah, being yeah, on yeah. fire and stuff for sure. So okay, so in with this um, particular category, is this something that you're willing to suspend the disbelief over? I, so I have like a I have a little bit of a bias against uh, these kind of explosions in general. I just I feel like this is an easy way out of a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, in any action scene, let's just blow some shit up and like that, that'll end it. Right. Um, so like I'm harder on it. I'm harder on these types of things. Um, especially if they're like a little bit too cliche or they don't look that good. And in this particular case, I just don't think it like, it, it looks that good. And so like, I'm yeah. just like, eh, whatever. So like, I can't like, I can't really like let go of it because, because it doesn't look that good. And all the other things that we're just talked about here, I'm just, I notice it and I'm just like, ah, I don't like it. I, 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 in this particular case, I don't like it. And also, yeah. this also goes to Peter Berg's direction style. Just like, man, this is one of the busiest fucking five minutes that you'll ever see on screen. There's so much happening that the fucking dude from Wonder Woman, uh, the Irish dude's talking the entire time. Like, yeah. it's very frenetic. It's very Peter Berg. I'm like, dude, take three things out that are happening. Like, <laughs> slow it down a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's definitely a lot of stuff that are going on. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm against everything that you said in terms of just using this to kind of end a scene and to, to have that be an excuse instead of something that, you know, could be a little bit more like, I guess, better in terms of the writing and maybe like actually getting them out of the scene and stuff. But like when it comes to like, I guess like these kinds of explosions in general, like, I'm willing to suspend disbelief just because of the way they look. But I will say that in certain situations, maybe being a little bit more factual in that big of a deal, you know, like if you're not, mm-hmm. if, if you're not going like, obviously this is Peter Berg, it's going to be huge. I mean, just the, the fucking battleship movie, my God was like just way too much in, in general. <laughs> yes. But, but like, I feel that if you're, if this is an, an action movie where there are a lot of explosions seeing this over and over again would there'd be some viewer fatigue for me so by the time we got to the end this one wouldn't have the same punch that it did so like i'm okay with a little bit of factuality with explosions um as long as you you know as long as it's not like the last big kind of hurrah in the movie like if you want to have some factually based explosions in the beginning of the movie then at the end we get the cool spectacle i'm all for that i just don't want every explosion in the movie to be a big grand fucking thing with with the rock constantly walking away from them not looking at it yeah like you'd be wondering where he probably would have gotten to wherever he's going with all the walking away from the explosions. <laughs> no, I, I, I 100% get what you're saying now. Like that, that makes total incomplete sense. Um, yeah, it, it just, again, I think this is, this is just sort of, this is one of those things where like my personal bias kind mm-hmm. of would ruin it anyway. Even if it did look kind of good, I'd be like, man, we could have yeah. done, we could have done something else. Yeah, 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 dude. I, t- I totally fucking got you on that one for sure. Definitely. And so with this, it's going to bring us to the wild card section. Wait, hold, so, on. hold on. Hold oh. on. One second. One second. Yep. Um, so it, like in terms of like the realism, um, uh, this is one of those cases where I think, again, like I think that's an easy way out of an action scene is to just blow some shit up and then like have mm-hmm. you guys walk away. I, I think that this is what this would have benefited from the realism um, in in one particular way, 
because again, like we're not, I, I don't think we were really ever fearing for Sean William Scott at any point in time, but at least that final scene would have been more, would have been a little bit more, would have had a little bit more drama to it. If, if in a realistic way that thing would have caught fire and that things started to burn around him. Mm-hmm. If so, if there was sort of like a ticking clock for yeah. the rock to save Sean William Scott, then oh, I, I think gotcha. I think you could up the stakes a little bit more and make it a little bit more dramatic. And then even then, after then, then you can blow it up too. Yeah, that's right. No matter what, you could still get that explosion. That's right. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point on that, dude. That nice little bit, some factuality in this would have added some stakes and maybe made things a little bit more dramatic instead of just relying on the spectacle and stuff. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, definitely, dude. That's a really, really good point for sure. I like that a lot. And um, and with that, let's get into the wild card. So um, so I don't know what you're going to choose. I don't know what I'm going to choose. Lay it on me, bro. Okay, so I don't have a clip for you, and there's a reason why. Because this clip would be almost two hours long. And <laughs> I'm talking about the whole of the movie Armageddon. And it's mm-hmm. flagrant flagrant abuse of the laws of physics and science. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, this is like, this is just sort of like a shorter list. I'm not going to like just run through it as a list, but I mean, I'll I'll go through the, we we can talk through this real quick. These are like the most blatant things that are like just incorrect, that are flatly incorrect. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the, um, the object is what it's, it's the size of Texas, like 900 miles across. Yep. Is the is the asteroid that's coming barreling towards us. So this would be one of those objects that would be infinitely astronomical. Infinitely astronomical. Objects that big usually don't one, we, we you know, we've seen we see objects that are similar sized um in the asteroid belt. They're usually not this big. They're usually, you know, they're I think some of the bigger ones are like 20, 30 miles across. Um mm-hmm. objects that are that big in space are usually stable. They're yeah. in orbit around something. They're in the asteroid belt. They're more than likely, more than likely that size. That's a moon. That is like, I mean, that is the size of like one of Saturn and Jupiter's smaller moons. Yeah. Um, so something that big would have been caught a long time ago and is now stuck going around one of the two big planets or even one of the farther outer planets. It's, it's, it's stuck. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. So right. the chances of something that big coming loose and then coming for Earth somehow bypassing all of the bodies like like Jupiter, Saturn, the sun that are bigger than the earth is in like it's so it's such a small percentage it's not even percentage it's basically impossible right. um so let's let's even pretend that like this could happen um or something that big could get loose just for comparison's sake um objects that are the size of the Tunguska which is a 1908 it's pretty it's in movies and stuff kind of a lot especially sci-fi stuff so the mm-hmm. the so the two russian meters Tunguska in 1908 and Chelyabinsk which was like 2016, 17, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Those objects were about 20 meters across each, relatively speaking. And those are, those themselves are like once every 50 year to hundred year events. Um, the one mil, like something that is now like a kilometer across. Um, that's something that happens like once every couple of million years. Mm-hmm. The, the dinosaur killer, which happened 65 million years ago was 10 million, 10 kilometers across. Um, so like, the bigger these objects get, the less and less likely they are to get here. Because, like I said, they're just going to – something else is going to grab them before yeah. they even get a chance to get down here. So that's, like, number one. Um, also, if it was that big, if it was the size of one of Jupiter's moons, we would fucking see it if it was coming at us. 
like the the time frame is like less than three weeks i think in in armageddon if something that big were to suddenly enter like a direct collision course with us we would probably see it two to three years in advance and then by the time we get down to the time frame that that uh, armageddon is taking place in you would see it night or day it would be in our vision it, it would yeah it would be not as it wouldn't be like as big as the moon, but you would notice a big fucking white spot just all of a sudden constantly in the sky. Right. So that's ridiculous. And then, uh, okay, so the, the idea is to drill through, you know, in, down into the surface of this asteroid, put a nuclear weapon in it, and blow it up. Um, when was the last time a nuclear weapon took out a landmass as big as Texas? Uh, never. Never. And even if you even if you could drill down into the center, like. Do they have a drill that's about nine hundred? You know, let's let's cut it in half. Do they have a drill that's four hundred miles long? Oh no, they don't. Yeah, we never got into that. They never talked about how far they drill down in the movie. Like you get some arbitrary number, but I don't think it's like any type of distance. So you know, so like bury a nuclear weapon. Let's just say like two thousand feet in the dirt in Texas. I think Texas will be okay. It's not going to come apart. Um, right. it's just, it's, so it's just like this, this payload wouldn't be sufficient. You'd probably need like a couple hundred attached mm-hmm. to this thing to blow it up. Um, it's also, this thing is probably also moving too fast to be caught. I think this is one of those things they, um, they kind of wave away. Don't they use like experimental rockets? Yeah. There's some state of the art super rockets that okay. NASA is going to use soon or something like that. Okay. So that's, that's one of those things I'm totally fine with. You can wave that away with a little bit of writing. Um, so even if you were to blow it up, it, it, let's say you just vaporize most of it, you're still going to launch billions and billions of rock particles back at the Earth that are now radioactive. Yep. So good. That's right. Good idea. And and just like and then like this, like the, the, the sort of the, fi- the finale, this thing blows in half and both pieces miss Earth as if it was like a fucking, I, I don't know, like two cars driving around like a, like a, like a, a guardrail or something. Um, if it's already that close, it's just going to collide with us anyway. Like if we can visibly see it dodging earth slightly, it's just going to come and hit us. Like it's sorry, yeah. but so this is just going to say that NASA uses parts of Armageddon to teach their astronauts, not what not to do. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I, and let me, so if they do blow it up and you got these two pieces, wouldn't they just get stuck in the gravity too? Or like, yeah, or they just, that's the point. Like, they should, you know, let's just pretend something got that big, got that fucking close to us. Um, I, I can't imagine that it would then escape our gravity. It, it would just rebound back more than likely. If it was that, if it was that close within like to the point where you could like see the whole entirety of the thing. My guess is that just, I don't know. This is, this is a total guess. I'm not a physicist or an astronomer whatsoever. That something that big moving that close to Earth's atmosphere would also cause friction and probably superheat the atmosphere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's like when I looked into some of the facts behind melancholia, the two atmospheres of an atmosphere of a terrestrial planet, even just grazing ours, would cause like a heat wave that just like burns everything from all that atmospheric friction and stuff. That's for sure. There's like, um, you know, like obviously we don't know a ton about like the, the dinosaur killer. But, like, it's very possible that, like, the um, – because it, it was so big. That, that meteor was the size of Mount Everest. Like, it was mm-hmm. – the back end was still in space when the front end hit. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it was that, it's that big. But, like, the um, 
the likely the, it's very likely that like the upon entrance of something that large moving that fast that whatever is like a I don't know what you consider underneath but like whatever would have been underneath it the the superheating of the atmosphere would have just like vaporized everything immediately anyway so mm-hmm. like I have to imagine something that was 900 miles across grazing our atmosphere would probably do the same thing yeah exactly so like the whole thing of them even splitting it there'd be no like those the way that they were making it look on the diagram it's almost like it's barely kissing the earth's atmosphere like something right. in there would cause that atmospheric friction definitely right. so yeah armageddon dude it's it's it is flagrantly scientifically inaccurate um even down to like the like you know like we, we get the early um you know like we new york's getting hit with meteorites and france is getting hit and mm-hmm. like asia's getting hit whatever that's another thing that like hey have you ever seen the planet recently there's a lot of water um i have a feeling that and a lot of empty space i have a feeling that most objects will just hit nothing as opposed to the world's most important sites oh right that's exactly right the odds of it landing in in paris are that that is like a slim chance you know it's a slim chance that the asteroid even hits but like the fact that you hit in a populated area is an even slimmer fucking chance you know you'd get water or it'd be in like you know, the, the, the middle of Siberia somewhere. Yeah, exa- exactly. I mean, well, that's the Tunguska yeah, <laughs> meteor. That's right. yeah, landed yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Now, had it been, um, had that event happened like several hours later, it would have been like more closer to St. Petersburg, which mm-hmm. would have been, that would have been the event of, like in terms of like our recent history, that would have been the event of our recent history. Would have been a yeah. city being destroyed by, an, by a meteorite. But because the earth is really fucking big and full of nothing, it hit nothing. Right. Yeah, that's exact. That is exactly right, dude. Yeah. Go figure like Putin lucked out on that one. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But I love it. Anytime you want to tear apart Armageddon, I'm all for it. Like there's there's just something about that fucking movie, man. Like I remember seeing in the theater It was around like, you know, the high school years and all that stuff. And like it's one of those movies that I just like I shouldn't. But for some reason, I take it with me and I seem to know more about it than I should. Here's one thing that I, I now you know because because of this it kind of jogged my memory is steve buscemi's character a rapist okay so god what is he's wanted for stuff right like is it did he molest a child i'm being serious i think it was like an underage girl situation if i'm not mistaken because i think he's trying to get that expunged when they give all those demands and stuff like I, i think that that's something he's trying to get off his record okay that's what i thought Anyway, we're cheering for a, a potential serial uh, child molester. Yeah, what is, up with Mi- what is up with Michael Bay? And no, it wasn't Michael Bay. It was um, uh, God Bruckheimer did Con Air. Jerry, like, what is it? Yeah, was like, what is up with this thing of making Steve Buscemi like this? He looks the part, but I don't want to think of Steve Buscemi. No, like I that. love Steve Buscemi. He's a fucking fi- dude's American hero. He was there on nine eleven as a firefighter, like helping. Yeah, out. yeah, that's a national treasure right there. <laughs> god damn yeah instead of making him all creepy and stuff in a movie where he's going to save the planet i don't want to be saved by any creeps no exactly it's i I don't know that's just one of those um no it it was michael bay and actually um because bruckheimer was producing um that's right yeah um i don't know why that like i just literally just looked at that like 10 minutes ago um uh, no but and michael bay himself is like a fucking creep yeah, um, he is. According to uh, like line them up. Like I know Megan Fox is not fond of him. Um, who's the who's the bl- the blonde chick that I think is married to, actually married to Jason Statham? 
I don't oh, think Rosie she. Honey, Rosie Huntington Wheatley. Yeah, the I girl think who she, replaced Megan Fox in the Transformers. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think she thinks he's a creep too. So like Michael Bay's got a reputation. Yeah, that's a. He sure as fuck got one. That's for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if, as his career goes on, we start to learn about more of these uh, uh, type in, encounters and everything. Probably. That's for sure. So, okay. So mine, mine is something that, um, as a kid, this was something that I wholeheartedly believed. Wow, the key to just you know, not getting shot is to wear a bulletproof vest. Like bulletproof vests are the be all end all of everything. This is something that I believe. And like, man, you still see the bulletproof vest and like people just getting shot and wearing one. Like it's nothing. You still see it like all the time. I will say that I, in some examples uh, recently, they at least work in the fact that it hurts when you get shot with, with a bulletproof vest on. But for my example, there is just like this is completely unrealistic. It comes from the end of the town, the the Ben Affleck directed mm-hmm. movie, and um, at the end of the town they rob Fenway Park and all that, and uh, Jeremy Renner and Affleck are dressed up as cops in full uniform, including bulletproof vests. Well, at the end of the movie there is a showdown with the actor named Pete Postlewaite. Um, yep. he, you would know him from the Apothecary in uh, Romeo and Juliet, the mm-hmm. Claire Danes one, and he's also been a pretty good. I love this guy's great. Like he's a great bit actor and everything. Whenever he comes into play, and in the town he plays uh, the florist, like, like this gangster guy who's kind of bankrolling the um, the Charlestown bank robbers, uh, Affleck and Renner. Yep. So at the end of the movie, Affleck and him are standing pretty close together. Okay. It's not like they're, they're probably like, I'd say about six feet apart from each other and they are wailing on each other with guns. Like they are just like shooting yep. each other. Mm-hmm. And Affleck pumps this dude full of about six rounds and he dies. And this guy pumps Affleck full of some rounds, but Affleck's got a bulletproof vest on. And the amount of gun shots that he took at such a close range to still be standing there, like nothing ever happened. No blinks, no flinches, no nothing was just like completely unrealistic. You know, you got more of a realistic um, approach to the bulletproof vest in the first like 10 minutes of Kick-Ass when um, Nicolas Cage shoots Chloe Grace Moore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like that is more believable. So this thing with the bulletproof vest, like um, this has been a common Hollywood trope for years, but this particular one, I was like, my God, he's like right there, point blank, just taking it. And nothing like no bruises, no deep breaths, no nothing. Just taking it. Then as soon as uh, as soon as they're out of bullets, Pete Postlewaite dies. And then the movie comes to it, sends its way towards the end. It's it is so ridiculous that it's it's actually something I, I noticed they've gotten better at, at least on TV. When like a cop mm-hmm. in a vest gets shot, like they go down. Um, even, yeah. You know, even if they're not like completely incapacitated, they go down. It is it is absurd the 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 vest abuse in Hollywood where these dudes will take like full machine gun clips to you know to to the gullet basically and like they're they're not even slowed down and like right. that's not what a vest does it's not it's not proactive armor it's reactive life saving last minute measures <laughs> that like right. if you even if it were like. First off, if you like were to shoot a vest repeatedly, um, the plating in it is, b- grows less and less effective. So if you yes. shot the same spot multiple times, at some point one of those bullets is getting through. Um, yeah. Maybe not, or at the very least, it's going to cause significantly more damage than it would have otherwise. Um, also, like the the idea that you can just sort of like take it. I mean, imagine. I, I think it was. I could be wrong, but I think it was. Um, I think it was Sims's dad was shot. When he was um, 
like prior to being a park ranger, he was a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Sims's dad was shot once, and Ooh. you know Sims's Sims's uh, late father, big, big motherfucking dude, six eight four 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 bills plus. Um, mm-hmm. like said it was like getting like someone took a full like a big person took a full rip of the baseball bat right at his chest. Yeah. And could you imagine having someone do that multiple times to you? You're not just getting back up, even if you survive it. It's just like you physically cannot do it. Like that that much that much pressure and that much force into your body is going to knock you straight the fuck down. Yeah, that is a fucking blast right there. Like there's no way in hell that you're that you're gonna go away from that unscathed. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a fucking that is a bullet. That is a, a weapon that is designed to kill somebody. And if you should be fortunate enough to have a bulletproof vest on, like it isn't something you're gonna just get up and walk away from. Like it, the weapon that's designed to kill you and you're not dying from it, you will feel some sort of ramification. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's I like it's again, like I think they've gotten a little bit better at it, but I I just it's I don't know it's it's one of those things that it, I don't I don't want to say like it, it it necessarily takes me out of it but mm-hmm. it's just like in some of these especially in older action movies nineties action movies if someone was wearing a vest I mean they could take like twenty thirty bullets with this thing and it's just like I'm like it's not like a you're not wearing like big hunks of like thick metal on you like this isn't it's not what they are like it it's, right. it just doesn't make sense the way that like you're the way that they're portraying them is is factually incorrect it doesn't make sense. It's a little ridiculous. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's something that um, I believed wholeheartedly for a very long time until the internet came around. That's just right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. They even, Chema, they even did a better job of that in Back to the Future Part 3 when uh, Marty gets shot and he's wearing, yeah. he's wearing like, the, like the, the cover of like a stove or something. Yeah. Um, and he, like, he appropriately goes down because, like, Getting shot would really, really fucking hurt. Oh, yeah, dude. And even with, like, those old school bullets back then where you're getting, like, a huge fucking, like, rubber, or, I mean, circular, like, fucking pellet shot at you. Dude, that's going to hurt. Uh, like, a no, by then, they would have been actual bullets. They would have been actual bullets? Yeah. They okay. would have been. I mean, they're not, like, they're not, like, those were, those would have been, been phased out, like, the early 1800s. Um, they had cartridges by, like, the 1880s. Yeah, he was in. A, it was a six shooter that, like, yeah. that he was using cartridge. in the movie. That's right. That's right. That's right. I gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Nice, dude. Well, that um, man, that was a great episode. Like, here we are. That was we fun. have reached the that was we have reached the end. And okay, is the outro? I got one quick question for you, dude. This is something that um, I didn't know how to work this into the outline. Jess and I were talking about this. Um, I tried to stop myself from asking you about it earlier, just as a quick outro thing. So the superhero movie has come in and like, I'm not saying that it's replaced the action movie, but like, you know, it's come pretty close. It's come pretty close. Yes. And like the big summer blockbusters that used to be action movies are now pretty much all the superhero movies. So when I know that these movies and the superhero ones are, are geared towards like all audiences it's supposed to be kids all the way up to adults, you know, whatever they hit a wide audience as they're supposed to, because it costs a lot of money to make. Now, when you're a kid, like you don't really have a lot of ideas or like any real idea about like the idea of franchising, mm. multiple movies, all this kind of stuff, you know. But at some point in time, like, you know, like let's just throw a hypothetical age out here. So let's just say by the time a kid is like 12, they at least have the idea that like, yeah, there's going to be Spider-Man 2, 3, 4, 5. Okay. Sure. So. And us as adults, we know we know when Tom Holland got cast as Spider-Man that there are going to be more than one Spider-Man mm. movie. 
So because of this big franchising um, push with the superhero movies, I mean, they've been franchising movies forever, but like, you know, just let's talk about the superhero movies, more of them franchising. Have we, or has the studio like kind of robbed the audience of the feeling that the main character is going to die? Like the main character may not make it in the first movie. Oh, 1000%. The the that that's that is my of all the complaints I have about the way Marvel has literally warped the movie mm-hmm. industry and like and like you said potentially eliminating like the the action movies that I like grew up watching as a kid um, that's like something they have totally fucking changed I feel like no none of the none of the protagonists in any of these movies until until Endgame that I feel like any of them were in any particular danger. Even yeah. even when we had Infinity War and we get the snap, I'm like, well, whatever. We'll see him in the next movie. They got to be yeah. different for the ultimate team up. I feel like they have totally robbed that. And again, it, it's it's not like it's not like I'm expecting Spider Man to die or anything. But like knowing full well that like okay, well Tom Holland's got to and he's got to do this movie. He's got to do you know make a cameo in this movie before he has his own. Um, but like so like I already know that like going into it, he's going to be there for a while. But like there is when when you announce, especially when you announce that like, oh man, they here are the next two Spider-Man titles that are coming out in the next four years. All right, so then in the just fucking knock my pen out. All right, so then in the um, so then in the one that comes out before the third one, I, I know not to worry about Peter Parker or anyone because right. the one is coming out after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were talking about this and like it's. Like, you're right. These characters, they don't feel like there's any that they're in any real danger. And you make a great point about Endgame, like even the snap, like these people have to come back. Like it's it was, I almost think that like as soon as I left the, uh, the the theater after Infinity War, I'm like, yeah, they're definitely going to come back and stuff. And even like the way that they would announce these movies like, oh, yeah, you know, they're, Tom Holland's contracted for five movies. And when we get to Endgame and that's movie number four, it's like. Okay, so you're basically telling me that he is going to make it even out of this whole situation mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's just um, I I gotta can't remember what we were watching. This is like a dumb random tangent that her and I had got on when I asked her about this, but I am just like, dude, like that is something that these Marvel movies are doing is they're really they're robbing us of like of any like re- like the, the most important stake in a hero superhero movie is if that superhero is going to survive or not. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And you know, even though even though franchising has been going on, you know, I mean, even I, I was going to say since the eighties. I mean, obviously it's happened since before the eighties, but the more modern way that we franchise movies starts in the nineteen eighties. Even even then, it wasn't like they set out to make three Back to the Futures. They right. made one that had an open and closed storyline with the possibility of being a second one and a third one or whatever yeah. else. Like there was a point in time where like you weren't. If you were named, you know, when Michael Keaton became Batman, they didn't, it wasn't Michael Keaton's going to be Batman for the next four movies. It's Michael Keaton is Batman for this one. And then we'll Mm -hmm. see. Yeah. So like there was a point in time, uh, kids out there who are under, probably under 35. um, There was a point in time where like these big tentpole franchise action movies and even the superhero movies, the the stories were open and closed in contained Mm -hmm. in one movie because there wasn't a guarantee there was going to be a second or third one. 
Yeah, and you had to find creative ways to bring them back, not just tease the second movie at the end of the first one. You know, you had to bring them. You had to create a uh, a brother that died that throws them back into the life like a man. You know, like that's what that's what they used to do. At least, at least in like the superhero genre of of those like eighties and nineties movies, um, and it, 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 even into the early two thousands, at least it was just sort of like, okay, well, it's just the next adventure of Batman or right. Blade or or whomever else. Like you know, it's like a comic. This is the next issue. But mm-hmm. like the way it is now, like I I still haven't seen uh, the the most recent Spider Man, but I'm sure it's teasing six other movies that are coming out in the next five years. Yeah, I just watched Homecoming um, when I was like flying back to Ohio and stuff, and they they're already implying movies into the future, and that's just the second one. I can only imagine what they're going to do with this yeah. um, the, the 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 latest one. Far from yeah. Home. Yeah, I, I know. It's, whatever it's called, I'm getting all these titles confused. I, I know it's, it's kind of it's also that's kind of ridiculous too. But yeah, like it, it's, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, and I think that's so. Like the um, I haven't seen the Eternals, but I hear it's uh, not very good. Um, <laughs> to I, that's sort of like me being polite. I, I actually heard some this, a couple. I heard a couple podcasts absolutely trashing it. But um, yeah, like so. You know, and that's that's Kevin Feige and Marvel's attempt that like for legitimacy for like making like a real movie, quote unquote. Right. Well, okay, that's fine, but you also can't do the same things that you do in all your other movies. Like right. this can't be a continuation. We can't wink and set up the next one. We can't in, in you know in, intimate that there's gonna be a spin-off. We can't connect them to every make it a you want like a legitimate movie, you have to make it like a legitimate movie. That that's exactly right. You can't rely on some of those tropes and some of those things that you've invented along the way to get out of it. You have to make you have to stick to a real movie kind of setup for sure. Perhaps kill a bunch of these people or robots yeah. or whatever the fuck they were. Um, <laughs> right. I don't fucking remember. But like, like yeah, like you you with with the way that like the way that Marvel movies sort of like the safety of the Marvel movies inherently will keep them always keep them from being. Other than like technical awards, maybe editing and like sound mixing and stuff like that, costuming mm-hmm. perhaps, they're never going to win an actor award or no. screenwriting or direct. Never going to happen. No, not a fucking chance, dude. Not a chance. All right, but uh, that's a that is an astute observation, and you know what? Uh, maybe I will go watch a Scott Atkins movie tonight just to, <laughs> just to remember what action movies used to be like. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm glad, I, I had to ask you that. I was going to do a whole, I was going to try to devo- devote a March to Minnesota episode to that, but I'm just like, nah, it's a good outro for this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right, dude. So then you want to lead us out of here? I will do that. Uh, for the Occasionalist Podcast, we are the Last Faction Heroes, Adam Chemelewski and Matt Pagel. You can find us on all the social medias uh, on Instagram uh, at Polish Kaiju. And at Citizen Pegs, uh, look up the Occasionalist on Podbean, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play. I'm sure there's another one that I accidentally put us on. I forgot about. Um, it's out there somewhere. Um, connect with us on Facebook. Um, find us personally and bother us in public. I don't care. Well, maybe Chama does. Um, but either way, you can find us all sorts of ways. And as usual, thanks for thanks for listening and downloading. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>